We celebrate you. Welcome to Lofty Heights Christian Center, a ministry that exists to raise kingdom influencers. As a church, we emphasize three things. The Word, the integrity of it and its ability to transform, the Holy Spirit, His power and demonstration of the same, and love, love for God, for yourself, and for others. You are about to experience God's undiluted Word from God's servant, Pastor Wali Tejumade. Get ready for a transformation. I want to implore you to please get your Bibles, you know, beside you, you know, and um, begin to flip it open as we continue, you know, with this teaching. Hallelujah. So the book of Leviticus is the third book in the Torah. And uh, of course, it's the same third book of Moses. As a matter of fact, some argue that it's the book in the middle. You know, there are five books, five Torahs, right? Genesis, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Um, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. You know, the five of them. And what you find in the middle of those five books, you know, was the book of Leviticus. Hallelujah. So that's the author. The author was Moses. The next editor that we're going to be taking a look at, meaning of the name Leviticus. Why Leviticus? Like I told us last week Sunday, I mean last week Wednesday, that every book of the Bible, can I get a Soviet or what do you call it, tissue paper here? Amen. You took it before. You need laying on of hands and legs. Amen. Glory to Jesus. You know, um, the meaning of name, just like I told us that the book of, um, um, the names each book of the Bible is called is often a reflection of the content, you know, of the book or a description of the person who wrote the book. So why was the book of Leviticus called Leviticus? The meaning is from the root word, the word Leviticus is from the root word Levite. L-E-V-I-T-E, Levite. And Levite, simply put, means priests. Levite, Leviticus. Levite, Leviticus. In other words, the order of the Levites. Alright? So it's called Leviticus simply because it's the book deals majorly, you know, with the Levites. Who are the Levites? Levites are priests. In those days, somebody like me and anybody who ministers here, you know, is a Levite. That's why it's called Leviticus. Let's move to the next, to the third point, you know. Why was the book written? Why was the book of Leviticus written? It is a book of instructions of law. The book of Leviticus, it's a book filled with instructions. Or a book that you may say is filled with laws. And I am of the opinion that you find the book of Leviticus sandwiched in between the other two um, books of Moses simply because, you know, God had led the children of Israel out of slavery from Egypt. He had delivered them, you know, from the stronghold and the strong hand of, of Pharaoh. And having done that with them, God then said, if I'm going to remain your God and you're going to remain my people, then you cannot afford to live life or to do things without cause. So there must be 
um, guidelines, there must be standards, there must be things that you must do. Why? Because God is a holy God. So the book of Leviticus was actually the first place you would see in the scripture where laws or instructions were given to the children of Israel. Of course, aside from you know, the Ten Commandments that Moses received in Exodus chapter number 20 you know, on the mountain. Amen. So when you go through that book, what you would find principally you know, are um, um, instructions, guidelines, laws, commandments, you know, things that God told them that they should do or how they should live you know, their lives. Because God demanded holiness or sanctification from the Israelites if they want him to continue to be their God. We know fully well that our God is a holy God and he cannot behold iniquity. As at that period, there was nothing. Everybody was doing everything, anything they want to do as it pleases them. In a city or in a place where there are no laws, there can be sins. You get what I'm saying now? Where there are no laws, there are no sins. The consciousness of sin is that there is a law. <clears throat> there is a sin against the mother. That's, I mean, there is a law, rather, against the mother. mother. So if you murder someone, there is a law in place by the government against the murder. So when you murder someone, the consciousness of you've committed an offense or you've committed a sin comes as a result of the fact that you know that there is a law against it. The book of Leviticus is quite a very, very interesting and exciting book. I dare not say any book of the Bible is boring. No. I feel that the angel of the Lord may just slap my face. Hallelujah. I've taught you, if you worship in this ministry, how to honor. If you want the Lord to speak to you by the word, you must honor the written word. You must be careful of the utterances that come from your mouth. Some will tell you it is boring. I cannot say that to you. It is very interesting. All right? Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. So in summary, the theme of Leviticus is be holy. What does it mean to be holy? To be holy simply means to be set apart. Be separate. Hallelujah. That's the central theme of the entire book of Leviticus, how the children of Israel can begin to live a life worthy of acceptance before God. A holy life before God. To be holy means to be set aside or to be consecrated. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. So if you take a look, for example, the book of um, Leviticus chapter number one, you know, or let me put it this way. In the entire book of Leviticus, you would find five types of offerings, you know, that God gave the children of Israel. In case any one of them messes up, the Lord gave them specific instructions as to what you must do to atone, you know, for that sin. There are five of them. In chapter number one, you would see God talking about burnt offering to them. Chapter number one of the book of Leviticus, you know, talked about burnt offering. What is burnt offering? Burnt offering is the purging of sinful acts by the worshiper. The purging of sinful acts by the worshiper. So that's burnt offering. If you take a look at verse number three of, um, of chapter number one of the book of Leviticus, it says, if his offering is a burnt sacrifice, 
if if his offering is a bond sacrifice of the herd, let him offer a male without blemish. He shall offer it of his own free will at the door of the tabernacle of meeting before the Lord. Then he shall put his hand on the head of the bond offering and to be accepted on his behalf to make atonement for him. I don't want to jump the gun, but let me let you understand this. And I believe I've taught you also before. In those days, the blood of bulls Animals, goats, hyaphas, ram, and all of all those stuff, they were being used to atone for the sins of the people, not for the propitiation of their sins. Atonement of sin means covering of sins. Follow me. Did you hear me? Atonement to atone for your sin means that there is a covering. Not that the sin, you know, was rich enough, or the sin was forgiven, or the sin was cleansed. No, it simply means it was covered. This is the reason why in the subconscious, there is always the sin consciousness. But in Christ Jesus, you saw in that verse number three, the God telling them that that animal, that that first male animal must be without blemish. Hmm? It's a representation or a typification of the person of Jesus. As a matter of fact, if Jesus had had one bit of sin in him, he wouldn't have been able to break free from the grave. He wouldn't have had access, you know, take over the grave and take over and hold on, you know, to the keys to graves, you know, and the death. Hallelujah. So in those days, all those animals were for atonement of sins. But guess what? For those of us who have accepted the Lordship of Jesus, Jesus became a propitiation. Glory to Jesus. A propitiation for our sins. What does that mean? He cleansed them off. In other words, when you, okay, maybe murder perhaps will be the greatest sin that anybody can commit. When you commit, say, murder right now, and you have a heart full of repentance. Maybe you did it. Maybe it's manslaughter. Maybe it's something you did involuntarily. And the eyes of your understanding became open. And you ran to God. Lord, I'm sorry. I did not know. I've taken a life. Lord, please forgive me. Lord, please have mercy on me. Bible teaches us that the God Almighty that we serve would forgive that sins and restate you as though you'd never murdered anyone before. Amen. Glory to Jesus. Now, hear this caveat. Even though God, your father, you know, we continue to deal with you as though you'd never committed that sin. You're going to serve your time in jail, man. The government is not going to hear that. The state is not going to hear that. That's the reason why. So there are tons of people in jail right now whom have been forgiven by the Father for the sins they've com they committed, but the state hasn't forgiven them. So in Christ Jesus, there is no, Brother Shannon, there is no guilt consciousness. Glory to Jesus. Why do you want to have guilt consciousness over a sin that the Lord does not even remember anymore? Glory to God. You committed abortion. That was in your past. You were presenting your body loosely to people. That was in the past. 
You were cheating liars, lying. That was in the past. 2 Corinthians chapter number 2 from verse number 17 teaches us, any man who is in Christ Jesus is a new creation. That's not a fluke. Romans chapter number 8 from verse number 1 teaches us, it says, therefore, there is now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. So why condemn yourself when the one who created you sees no condemnation in you? Glory, celebrate Jesus coming up. Why condemn yourself? You see, every believer, every New Testament believer must learn how to break free from guilt and sin consciousness. Sin consciousness is, you used to be a drug addict. You're no longer a drug addict. You know that that hold, the Lord has broken it. Let's even assume that you still have some struggles in that regard. But you know that you are not in the state where you used to be anymore. Sin consciousness is the devil then coming to you, reminding you of your past, then telling you why you're unworthy or unfit, you know, to have a relationship with the Lord. That's sin consciousness. When the Lord forgave your sins, he just did not forgive them. He also broke the hold of sin consciousness on you. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. Father, we give you praise. Amen. So the second one that you'd find in chapter number two is grain offering. Grain. G-R-A-I-N. Grain offering. In chapter number two, you know, I told you, Leviticus, the Lord gave them orders, instructions, laws, how to do things. If you, if you fall short in this regard, this is what I require from you. Grain offering. What's grain offering? Grain offering is giving the best from a person's property. So this, in this age, would be likened to your tithe, your offerings, and your seeds. You know, I told us before, when I was growing up, back home in Nigeria, Lagos, West Africa, when we, we go to church and I want to give offering, Brother Shannon, and I bring out my wallet, I look for the best notes among all the cash, all the notes in my wallet. The best of them, the one that is not rumpled, is the one I present to God. Some of us went so far as always getting mint, new notes, for Sunday services. So when you're going to church, I mean, if you earn, say, 10,000 a month, and you make up your mind to say, Lord, all that I have for offering in this month is only 100 naira. You get 100 naira mint, new notes, in your whatever, in your wardrobe. Sundays when you're going to church with joy, you go in there, take 20 naira or $20 out of it. You give to God. See, don't make God an option in your life. Don't make him the last. In respect to your offerings, in respect to your tithe, in respect to your seeds, let God know that he's not an option. Regardless of how much you make, if all you make a week, I mean a month, is only $500, maybe you're even on social support, and all that you can give to God in offering is just $10 in a month out of $500. $10 a month would then mean maybe like $2 per service, right? Set aside the $2. Lord Jesus, you know, this is all that I have. If you bless me more, I will give more. But I'm happy to give this. The Lord expects it. 
So you see that in chapter number two. If you go to chapter number three, you see peace offering. Peace offering. What's peace offering? Peace offering expressed praise to God and fellowship with others. Peace offering expressed praise to God and fellowship with others. Hallelujah. Then if you go to verse, chapter number four, you'll see another form of offering that the Lord requires from them. And what is that offering? It is called sin offering or guilt offering. Sin or guilt offering. What is sin or guilt offering? Sin offering is used to atone for sin when restitution is impossible. Don't forget again that all through the scripture, what you would find is atonement. I mean, all through the Old Testament rather, what you would find is atonement, 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 not propitiation. It was only in the book of Hebrews that we were made to understand, you know, and fully realize that yes, that Jesus actually became the propitiation for our sins. Bible teaches us in the book of Hebrews, it says, if the blood of bulls, of calves, of rams, of hyphas, of all those animals, if they were able to save man from sins, Jesus wouldn't have had to die. Hallelujah. So if not for the advent of Jesus, you and I, you see, let me, the fifth one is trespass offering. It's called trespass offering. What is trespass offering? It is made for unintentional or lesser offenses. So maybe you look at a woman and you're not supposed to look at her. You go buy ramen or buy a goat. Hallelujah. Think for a second. If Jesus hadn't come, you have five offerings that you need to be offered, you know, to the Lord, right? How many animals would have been slaughtered on your behalf? Think about it. Glory to Jesus. Let's move on now. Some characters in the book of Leviticus. You see God, apparently, Moses, Aaron. Aaron was Moses' older brother, all right? And in the book of Leviticus, like I told, told us, contains the book of Levite. God appointed Levite, right? Levites are priests. Aaron became the chief priest, or the high priest, sorry. Aaron became, you know, the high priest. Hallelujah. And when you move further, you will see that in chapter number 8, where Aaron and his sons, you know, were consecrated. So Aaron and his sons, they then became what he called um, the lineage of priests, or priesthood lineage. In other words, no other person can offer sacrifices or intercede for you to God, or offer sacrifices unto God on your behalf, except someone who is of that lineage. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. You know, so, yes, so in chapter number 8, Moses consecrated. Chapter number 15. Let's see, Leviticus chapter number 15. I'm taking my time also on the book of Leviticus because some of us feel that some of all these laws are now, um, what do you call them? Outdated. Not all of them. You can't take one part of the scripture of the Bible and say you believe. And say the other part you don't believe. You either believe it in its entirety or you don't believe it. The word of the Lord cannot be broken. Amen. In chapter number 15. Chapter number 15. You know, he then talks about um, consecration. Chapter number 15 talks about consecration. You know, chapter number 18 of the book of Leviticus, 
chapter number 18 talks about um, sexual morality or sexual immorality. Hallelujah. Sexual morality or immorality. If you check chapter number 18 from verse number 7, it says, The nakedness of your father or the nakedness of your mother you shall not uncover. Meaning that you shall not sleep with your father nor your mother. Hallelujah. In verse number 10, it says, The nakedness of your son's daughter or your daughter's daughter, their nakedness you shall not uncover, for theirs is your own nakedness. These were God's instructions to them. I am holy. I cannot behold iniquity. I've done so much for you already. I led you through um, the Red Sea on dry ground. I led you by the um, um, pillar of cloud and fire. I made the walls, you know, to stand still to your right, to your left, and you walked on dry ground. So if you require me to continually be your God, to continue to be your God, here are the things you'd have to do. Glory to Jesus. If you check verse number 14 of um, chapter number 18, it says, You shall not uncover the nakedness of your father's brother. It says, You shall not approach his wife. She is your aunt. You shall not uncover her nakedness. Verse number 17 says, You shall not uncover the nakedness of a woman and a daughter, nor shall you take a son's daughter or a daughter's daughter to uncover nakedness. They are near of kin to her. It is wickedness. Near of kin in that case means next of kin, kind of. Okay? Bible says it is wickedness. Sleeping with mother and daughter or father and son. The word of the Lord cannot be broken. Jesus came to fulfill the law. Glory to Jesus. And the law was all fulfilled in one. In love. If you have love in your heart, would you go sleep? You know. If you check verse number um, um, 22, for example, it says, You shall not lie with a male as with a woman. It says, It is an abomination. 23 says, Nor shall you mate with an animal to defile yourself with it. Nor shall any woman stand before an animal to mate with it. He says it is perversion. This is God's word, not mine. And it cannot be broken. Glory to Jesus. So point number five. What are some of the lessons that we can learn, you know, from the book of Leviticus? <clears throat> the book of Leviticus you know, the major lesson is it's a constant reminder of how holy our God is. As a matter of fact, if you check Leviticus chapter number 19, verse number 2. Leviticus chapter number 19, you know, verse number 2. Take a look at the screen now. Leviticus 19, verse 2. Amen. It says, speak to all the congregation of the children of Israel and say to them, you shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. That was God's desire huh? for the children of Israel. Bible says, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. So to make them holy in the sight of God was the reason why they had to be making all those five offerings, sacrifices, you know, that I made mention of earlier on. Hallelujah. 
if you take a look at verse 20, verse 26, Leviticus 20, 26, you'll see it again there. As a matter of fact, practically all through the book of Leviticus, you'll see the word holy, 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 holy. Be you holy for I am holy. You'll keep seeing it in there. Verse 26 of chapter number 20 says, And you shall be holy to me, for I, the Lord, am holy, and have separated you from the peoples, that you should be mine. Glory to Jesus. So, what is the relevance of the book of Leviticus to us today? What's the relevance of the book? I have here noted that I wrote here. I said that a lifestyle of grace is not a license for a lifestyle of unholy living. Yes, we're in the dispensation of grace. But don't go about, you know, making mess of yourself and thinking that God is a merciful God. God is gracious and God is going to forgive. Yes, he's going to forgive. Does that mean that you don't take his grace for granted? He says that how shall we, uh, who are dead to sin, continue to live in sin? Hallelujah. There must be a distinction. Uh, between your old life and your new life in Christ Jesus, if your salvation is genuine. So, the book of Leviticus always reminds me of, of how much the relevance to us today is in, in, we are in an age where we are in an age where anything goes. Everybody does whatsoever thing they please. But you must always remember it's not like that. The God who begot you, who redeemed you, is jealous. He says to the children of Israel in verse number 26, he says, of chapter number 20, he says, and you shall be holy to me. He says, for I, the Lord, am holy, and have separated you from the peoples that you should be mine. So if we are his, there must be a distinction between us and those who are not his. Hallelujah. And again, if there is anyone under the sound of my voice who is always feeling condemned or guilt of things you've done in the past, you know, they keep staring you at the face and you're still struggling to let go. I need you all to know tonight, Kingdom Influences, that God has forgiven you and you're doing yourself a great disservice if you're holding on to the memories of the past. Scripture says your sins I would remember no more. In Jesus' record, there is no record if your name is checked, for example, maybe you've done, you've lied in the past, you've done some things in the past, and you've now come into Christ Jesus, that record does not exist anymore. And you must know it. Glory to God. You must know it. So, when you are approaching the throne of grace, huh, to request of the Lord or to worship the Lord, you must come with that consciousness. Why? Because you, as a New Testament believer, you become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. All that is required, when we get to the book of Romans, I'll teach you all about righteousness better. All that is required of you to receive anything of the Lord is for you to be righteous. And no man does anything to become righteous. Righteousness is a gift. Hallelujah, glory to Jesus. And no man can be more righteous than God has made you to be righteous. Holiness is what we strive after. Hallelujah. But for righteousness, if you're in Christ Jesus, you become the righteousness, you know, of God in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. In other words, there is no guilt, no sin, no nothing, no, no condemnation against you. Hallelujah. And don't forget, just like I taught you on Sunday, the witness of the Spirit is also there. 
And remember always, he's witnessing for you, not against you. Celebrate Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah, glory to Jesus. Very quickly, let's move into the next book. Let's take a look at the book of Numbers. How the book of Leviticus blessed us. Let me tell you one of the things you can do. As this session continues, if you have a copy Bible, any of the book that has been reviewed that we've taken, just go back home or if you are home, you know, watching online already, just flip through. Just go through, all right? Just go through. Familiarize yourself, you know, with them. And you see, I told, told us last week Sunday, I mean, last week Wednesday, that you all should learn the books of the Bible in order. I don't want to put some of you on the spot right now. Brother Tyler, are you saying something? No, I won't put you on the spot. Not yet. I'll give you guys two or three more weeks. Okay, so that you can stand before the mirror and you can reset Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, you know. You can continue to play with it on your head. And if you want to go search YouTube for kindergarten videos on books of the Bible, go get that done. But let me give you a clue. There is a way, because even though the Bible was not written in the order in which they were arranged, there is a way you can follow the sequence of the order in which the book was arranged, that you would know what book follows what. For example, Genesis, God created heaven and earth. Then in Exodus, he led the children of Israel out of Egypt. <clears throat> right? After he did that, what he did ne next was to give them instructions, to give them law. That's Leviticus. The Numbers, Deuteronomy, you can continue that way. I'm going to teach you more on that as we continue. So that way, um, when you want to mix a, char a book for another book, you just try to follow the story. Okay, which one did God do? Oh, he gave them instructions after then. Then he asked them to be numbered. Then after then, he repeated the, you know, no. Amen. Amen. The word of the Lord is interesting. Celebrate Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. So let's see the book of Numbers. The book of Numbers is the fourth of the Torah. Torah means law. Torah is the first five books of the Bible. You all know that by now. Hallelujah, glory to Jesus. So the book of Numbers, authored by Moses. That's the fourth book written by Moses. Why Numbers? Amen. That's the second point. Now, why Numbers? Why is the book of Numbers called Numbers? Because it has to do with numbering, or it has to do with numbers. It has to do with census. It has to do with counting. Hallelujah, glory to Jesus. The book contains a lot of numerical data. That's why it's called Numbers. The children of Israel were counted. They were numbered like census. That's why that book is called Numbers, because they were numbered. So when you go through the book of Numbers, you'll see, you know, lists, you know, as a matter of fact, in chapter number one, Bible says the first census of Israel. Now the Lord spoke to Moses in the wilderness of Sinai, in the tabernacle of the meeting, on the first day of the second month of the second year, that they had come out of the land of Egypt, saying, take a census. Can you see now? Census is numbering, right? Take a census. Are you giving me? Okay, thank you. Take a census of all the congregation of the children of Israel by their families, by their father's houses, according to the number 
of names, every male individually. So that is why the book of Numbers is called Numbers. Isn't that an interesting fact to know? Amen. Celebrate Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. So let's see the second point. <clears throat> the third, rather. The theme. Let's talk about the theme. The theme or why the book was written. Now, the book of Numbers was written. Why? Because everyone below 20 years. Okay, so let me, don't let me jump the gun. When you take a look at Numbers chapter number 13, for example. This was where Numbers chapter number 13 was the point where things got scattered. Where I come from in my local parlance, they say, Yam pepe scatter scatter. Ishwatanya nanyana. You know, glory to Jesus. That, that was where things got scattered. Why? Because don't forget, in Exodus, God led the children of Israel out of Egypt. He delivered them from slavery, right? Then in Leviticus that we just reviewed, he gave them instructions if, he, if they wanted him to continue to be their God, right? Then in the book of Numbers, he instructed Moses that they should take a census of the people, the male, individually. So as they were journeying, you know, to Canaan, to the promised land, Moses then said, let everyone, the 12 tribes of Israel, appoint leaders from each tribe and let them go spy out the land of Canaan. Of the 12 leaders that went to, to spy out the land of Canaan, only two of them came back with positive re report. And those were Joshua and Caleb. You see that in Numbers chapter number 13. Those were Joshua and Caleb. So God's anger then arose against them. How and why? Because they failed to believe in the power of their God. Hallelujah, glory to Jesus. They failed to believe in the power of their God, you know, to actually take them to the land of Canaan. So if you take a look at verse number, chapter number 13, you will see then, you know, from verse number 26, how they actually went in there. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that they plucked um, um, leaves in that land to come and show that for truth we visited this land. But you see, they had a problem. They did not believe that the same God who caused them to walk out of Israel, out of Egypt, you know, on dry ground, is able to defeat the children of Anak. You know, that was the, those were the giants that they found in the land of Canaan. But Joshua and Caleb had a different report. So the anger of the Lord arose. And what did the Lord do? The Lord killed everyone below the age of 20. Every one of them below the age of 20. All of them died, perished in the wilderness. Except Joshua, Caleb, Moses, and their lineage. Everyone below 20, I'm going to show you in the scripture. Everyone below 20 years old, the Lord killed. You see, the way it was in those days, it's still the same way it is right now. Unbelief against God, it's a sin. Your inability to believe that the God that you serve is able to do exceedingly abundantly, it's a sin. Not to trust him and believe him for who he is, it's a sin. Hallelujah. So, in the, the book of Numbers, oh, sorry. So, the book of Numbers, 
Aleluia. So everyone below 20 years were killed except those of Moses, Joshua, and Caleb as a result of their unbelief in God when they went to spy the land of Canaan. I want to give you an assignment. Please study the book of Numbers chapter number 13. I need you all to read it. Numbers chapter number 13. When you get home, go read that story. Uh, chapter number 13. I'm going to give you another chapter of the book that I want you to, to also study. So, the book of Numbers teaches about Israel's rebellion against God. If you go through the old book of Numbers, they were always complaining, murmuring, lamenting. And it said to Moses, oh, you should have even left us in Egypt. Say, so would rather even continue to be slaves to Pharaoh and the Egyptians, you know, than you lying to us that your God wants to take you, um, take us to, to the promised land. Say, we're not going anywhere anymore. Take us back to where you're bringing us from. See, murmuring against God, that's the reason why, for me as a person, anybody who nags cannot succeed around me. Those who are close to me, they know. I hate it when people complain, you're always grump, um, grumpy, you know, one day you wake up on this side, you're happy, the other day you're, what's wrong with you? Get up. <laughs> Amen. Amen. It is sin. It is sin. Hallelujah. So the book teaches about Israel's rebellion against God and God's demand and desire for obedience. So because of that rebellion, God also showed them what you may want to say, Pepe. Hallelujah. You are too Nigerian. God, God showed them Pepe. You know, in other words, God humbled them. God disciplined them. He dealt with them. Because they were not willing, you know, to fully obey the commandment of the Lord, the laws of the Lord. And they were always rebelling against God, against the servant Moses. They were always complaining, always murmuring. Amen. Glory to Jesus. So their rebellion led them to wander in the wilderness. That same rebellion that they had was the reason why they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. What if I tell you all tonight that that journey that took them 40 years in the wilderness, you know, was actually supposed to take them less than two weeks, less than 14 days. Don't, don't say, when we begin to get point six, where we review the relevance of the book to us today, you would understand that even though some of you are not in, in that age, yet right now you are living in that age. When you begin to, sometimes God is trying to protect you, save you from peril, and you are lamenting. She broke your heart. Maybe God just saved you, rescued you from future um, calamity, and you want to kill yourself. You see, as a believer, as a New Testament believer, you just must believe uh, that the God you serve is too good that he will not allow you, you know, to be shamed. And you must always believe that he has your best interest at heart part-time. Hallelujah. So Numbers chapter number 14, verse 11. Let's see Numbers 14, 11. That kind of sum up the old book. Numbers 14, 11. Numbers 14, verse 11 says, Then the Lord said to Moses, 
how long will these people reject me? And how long will they not believe me with all the signs which I have performed among them? That's the summary of that book. They were rebellious lots. They say, you've seen all the incredible things he has done, yet you still don't want him to be your God. Hallelujah, glory to Jesus. So if you also take, take a look, you know, at the same book of Numbers, you'll see the story of Balak, Balaam, and the donkey. Those of you who've never seen or heard, you know, a, an animal talk before. In chapter number 6, for example, we saw how God wanted Aaron to be blessing the children of Israel. All right? I did all this um, summary in my notes for you all to be able to help my teaching. In chapter number 12, I want to touch on chapter number 12 a little bit. Chapter number 12 tells us about how Miriam was struck with leprosy. Chapter number 12. Chapter number 12 of the book of, of Numbers. When you take a look at chapter number 12, from verse number one says that Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married. For he had married an Ethiopian woman. So they said, as the Lord did spoken only through Moses, has he not also spoken to, through us also? This is for those of you who feel that your man of God and yourself, you're on the same pedestal. This is for those of you who are of the opinion that, you know, you can hear God as your pastor can hear God. I told you before, see, the Lord does not joke with his servants, except that person has not been called, except the person has called himself. In no manner under any ground or guise should you ever be tempted to equate yourself to a man that God has chosen, regardless of the color of the skin, regardless of the age, regardless of the sex, regardless of the social standing, that person is not your mate in any form. What Moses did was against God's express instruction. Moses went to pick a wife, an Ethiopian woman as a wife. Look here. It says, so they said, go back to verse number one. Then Miriam and Aaron, you know, spoke against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married. For he had married an Ethiopian woman. So they said, as the Lord in this spoken only through Moses, as he not spoken through us also, and the Lord heard it. Now, the man Moses was very humble, more than all men who were on the face of the earth. Verse number four. Suddenly, the Lord said to Moses, Aaron, and Miriam, come out, you three, to the tabernacle of meeting. So the three came out. The Lord summoned them. Verse number four. Five. Then the Lord came down. Five, please. Then the Lord came down in the pillar of cloud and stood in the door of the tabernacle and called Aaron and Miriam, and they both went forward. Listen to what the Lord said. Then he said, hear now my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak to him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moses. He's faithful in all my house. Verse number eight. I speak with him face to face, even plainly and not in the dark sense. And he sees the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid? Can you see? You wake up tomorrow, you say, um, a minister in your church, your cell leader, your head of unit, your pastor's wife, or your pastor, you know, has done something against you, and you begin to cha -cha 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 -cha, begin to spew nonsense. Many of you are, some people are already receiving the rewards. You don't 
I'd shared this with before and I, I, I presented it this way. Don't join others to pull down a man that God has anointed or that God has called. You know why? If he messes up, God will forgive him. But for you who join others to pull him down, you will bear the brunt of that which you have done. Leave the judgment for the Lord. If for any reason you have reason to leave a church, carry your bag, carry yourself, do whatever thing you want to leave, and live peacefully. Don't exit and begin to spill lies. Begin to compare ministries. Oh, Jesus. Give me the next one. He says, why then were you not afraid? Sorry, I didn't complete that verse number eight. He says, why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? Verse number nine. So the anger of the Lord was aroused against them, and he departed. You know what the Lord did? Miriam became leprous. He rebuked kings for their sakes. He says to them, touch not my anointed. Do my prophet no harm. Hallelujah. If you're not certain, if God has called that person, yes, you can make a mess, you can toy. But if for any reason, maybe he has ever prayed with you, he's ever blessed you, or you believe in your heart, you know that, oh, that man is actually a man of God. Be careful. Be careful. If I call on Lois, Samuel, peace, all of them here, like I've done, poured oil on them, laid hands on them, as the set man over this commission, be careful of the kind of things you say against them. Glory to Jesus. Let's move on. So number ch chapter number 13, you see about spying of the land. I already did that. Let's see chapter number 14 to 26. Chapter number 14, verse 26, rather, to the end or so. 1426. 1426 says, And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, How long shall I bear with this evil congregation who complain against me? I have heard the complaint which the children of Israel make against me. Say to them, As I live, says the Lord, just as you have spoken in my hearing, so I will do to you. You know what I mean? This is for those of you who are always lamenting. Uh, uh, things are not working for me. Uh, my life is finished. Um, nobody's going to marry me. Uh, uh, money will never come my way. Uh, I cannot ca carry my own children. Bible says, God saying to Moses now, he says, say to them, as I live, says the Lord, just as you have spoken in my hearing, I will do to you. You see why murmuring, complaint is dangerous? Because that was all they were doing. Say, so we want to die. Let us perish here. We are not going again. Take us back to Egypt. Take us back to slavery. We prefer that place to where we are right now. The Lord says to them, say the way you've, those things you've said, I heard everything and I'm going to do you exactly what you desire. Learn to be positive. Speak faith-filled word. Don't join them and say, my life is finished. Ah, I'm doomed though. Ah, it cannot be better for me again. Although, it should not be coming out of your mouth. Glory to Jesus. Verse 29 now. The carcasses of you, verse 29 says, the carcasses of you who have complained against me. Can you see? The carcasses of you who have complained against me shall fall in this wilderness. All of you who were numbered according to your entire number from 20 years old and above. 
all of them, all of them, what was their offense? Murmuring, unbelief, indiscipline, complaint against God. Give me the next verse. Verse 30 says, except for Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, the son of Nun, you shall by no means enter the land which I swore I would make you dwell in. May you not use your hand to do yourself. Y'all didn't say amen. I mean, may your own doing not come as a result of your own hand. May you not use your hand to lead yourself, you know, into destruction. In the name of Jesus. And of course, yes, I want you to, the, what I want you to also read would be um, chapter number 22. You know, that's the story of Balak and Balaam. Our time is gone. I cannot go into that right now. You will see in there how, you know, um, the donkey spoke, you know, chapter number 22 of the book of Leviticus. Balak was a king. Balaam was a prophet of the Lord. Balak hired Balaam, you know, to curse the people of Israel. Even in God's displeasure against the Israelites. I mean, you saw already in previous chapters how he was disciplining them. He was punishing them and all of those. He was still protective of them. So Balak hired Balaam to curse the children of Israel. Balaam had to say to him, I cannot curse these people because they are blessed. This book tells me, reminds me, the relevance or the lessons is that no man can curse indeed the one whom God has blessed. Hallelujah, glory to Jesus. No man can. No man can curse the one whom God has blessed. Hallelujah. That's chapter number 22. If you can, not even if you can, please read it. I've recommended chapter number 13 and chapter number 22. These are the two chapters I'm recommending to you guys to go read. Hallelujah, glory to Jesus. When you read chapter number 23, if you read chapter number 22, you may want to follow it through, you know, to chapter number 23, you know, Bible records. And God said to Balaam, you shall not go with them. You shall not curse the people for they are blessed. Hallelujah. Chapter number, 20, chapter number 22, verse number 12 of the book of Numbers. You shall, and God said to Balaam, you shall not go with them. You shall not curse the people for they are blessed. And you see how God then opened the mouth of the donkey which Balaam was riding on to then begin to speak. The Lord will go any length to protect his own. So lessons from that book is that God's disgust towards rebellion. That's what it teaches. And it teaches also about God's mercy even when we fall short. It reminds you of God's mercy even when we fall short. Hallelujah. And it's craved for discipline. God is a God of order. He's a disciplined God. And if you want to follow him, you must be disciplined. What's the relevance of the book today? As loving as our Lord is, he also does not tolerate indiscipline. And especially murmuring. They'll be begging you to come and serve in your father's house. Say, ah. Come and do ocean now. Uh, no, I don't have time. Oh, uh, okay, what about uh, follow-up? Oh, okay, media. Okay, um, choir. Oh, come and join some place to come and serve. You'll be murmuring, complaining, 
God doesn't want any of, th of those stuff. He doesn't. They displease him. I showed you in the scripture. He said to the children of Israel, the way you were murmuring, those things you were murmuring, I've read everything. As you have murmured, I will do that unto you. Glory to Jesus. Let's take a look at the book of Deuteronomy. I hope somebody's getting blessed. Amen. Celebrate Jesus. Come on out. Amen. Online church, are you also getting blessed? Can you drop a message? Let's know those who are watching. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Let's see the book of Deuteronomy very quickly. So this is going to be pretty short. Um, Deuteronomy. Author is Moses. And of course, yes, this is the last of the Torah. Okay? This is the last of the books that Moses wrote. The book of Deuteronomy. That's number one. At the one. At the two, that's lesson, I mean, point number two talks about um, the meaning of the name. Why was that book named Deuteronomy? The word Deuter means two. Amen. Amen. The Bible is exciting. You need to see, let, 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 let me tell you guys something. If you have, if you can follow through Biblio, as we've begun in Genesis, down to Revelation, when we're going to be done with it, you'll see that your, your appetite and your thirst for the word will change. Many of you don't read the word because it's a mystery to you. I mean, it's a, it's massive, it's big. It's too complex for you. What Biblio does is to simplify it. And to let you know that if you are willing, uh, this is actually a very exciting, transformational book, you know, to read. Hallelujah, glory to Jesus. Amen. So the word deuter, you know, means two. So why two? Because if you take a look at the book of Exodus, I mean the book of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy is most of the part a repetition of everything in the book of Exodus. In other words, Deuter, I told you Deuter means two, right? It means the second law. Amen. In Exodus and Leviticus, they had like the first law, right? Deuter means two, so it's technically, I mean, it simply means the second law. So when you go through the book of Deuteronomy, if you've read the book of Exodus, and you're going through the book of Deuteronomy, you know, it will seem to you as though you are reading the same book. It's like in the New Testament, for example, you've read the book of Ephesians, and now you're now reading the book of Colossians. How many of you actually know that Ephesians and Colossians, they are the same? How many of you have studied your Bibles, you know, to that level? Amen. The book of Ephesians and Colossians, they have no major difference. Hallelujah. As a matter of fact, in some of the verses or chapters, the same way Paul, who authored both books, the same word he used to the Ephesians church was the same word, were the same words used in the Colossians church. Hallelujah. Glory to God. May the word of the Lord become as easy as ABC to you. Amen. Amen. May the Lord create a thirst in you for his word. In the mighty name of Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus.
So when you go through, so let's go through the book of Deuteronomy. So Deuto means two. So it basically means the second law. So when you go through the book of Deuteronomy, you will then begin to see, you know, practically the same thing that God talked about, you know, in the book of Exodus. So let's go to the third um, level now. The theme, why was the book of Deuteronomy written? The book of Deuteronomy has a great similitude with the book of Exodus because it retells the Mosaic law. Hallelujah. So when you go through the book of Deuteronomy, you'd find a repetition of some of the things in the book of Exodus. Who can tell me, who wants to guess why God had to repeat Deuteronomy, you know, those laws he had given to the children of Israel? Anybody? Huh? Use the microphone, please. This was a new set that people previously... God bless you. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Amen. That was the reason why. Because like you saw in the scripture, in Leviticus, I mean in Numbers, anyone below 20 were dead. I mean above 20 rather, they were dead. So as, as, as they continue to journey, you know, um, um, in the wilderness, the ones who were below 20 then, they were already growing. So they were not there, they were not accustomed to the laws God had given in Exodus and Leviticus. So Deuteronomy seemed like a refresher to them. So you then begin to see, okay, these were the things that God did to your fathers. He led them, you know, out of Egypt. He led them through this. Your fathers were rebelled. They rebelled against God. So God did this. So God did that. These are the laws that you must follow. Because those young ones, they were now growing. So basically, you have new sets of Israelites. Hallelujah. God bless you for that, Brother Victor. So since many of them were dead, Moses had to recap, in other words, repeat the laws to the people. Those ones were young then, so they did not know the Lord and what he's able to do. Moses lectured them on all the Lord did, you know, from creations to their forefathers, how to live, how to love God, and how to keep his commandment. If you go through the book of Deuteronomy, you'll see all of all those things there. As a matter of fact, Deuteronomy chapter number 30, 19 to 20, sums up the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter number 30, verses 19 to 20. Please, can you have that on the screen very quickly? Deuteronomy 30, 19 to 20. It says, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. 20 says, that you may love the Lord your God. Can you see? That you may obey his voice and that you may cling to him. For he is your life and the length of your days, and that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers. Can you see? Because they were too young to know that God swore to their fathers then. But the book of history had to be reopened for them so that they can catch up and they can know all the things that God went through and that God did for their fathers. He says, To wit, may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. To give them. You know one of the reasons again? So that those ones below 20 years old who survived the death, the massive death, you know, in, um, um, in the wilderness, they will not also grow up. 
to become, is there any word like murmurers? No. Ah, Fembi is not here. It should be murmur, right? They will not grow up to begin to murmur like their fathers murmured. That's why this book was necessary. Hallelujah. In chapter number 8, Moses, you know, advised them, remember the Lord your God, chapter number 8. Chapter number 8 of the book of um, Deuteronomy, chapter number 8. Remember the Lord your God. Hallelujah. Remember the Lord your God in verse number 2. Let me just quickly read. Verse number 2 and 3. It says, and you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and test you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. So he humbled you, allowed you to hunger, and fed you with manna. Manna was what they had, they were feeding on for 40 years. Karabapuriya Katalia. Bible says that they were not hungry, they were not thirsty. The Lord sustained them for the 40 years in the wilderness. Bible says that when they were out of the wilderness, uh, the, the sole of their shoes, Brother Shannon, did not wear out. Their cloth, the cloth they had on, was not torn. How can you wear the same cloth for 40 years? How can you wear the same shoe for 40 years? For this God is our God forever and ever. He will be. From now, even unto the end. Somebody has lost his microphone. Glory to Jesus. He says that it might make known to you. He <laughs> says that it might make you know. That's verse number um, three. That it might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone. The man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. This was where Jesus got that word. He threw out the devil. Huh? In Matthew chapter number 4, when the devil tempted him and said, take this stone and convert it to bread. Glory to Jesus. Verse number 4 says, your garment did not wear out on you. Hey! Did you see that? Your garment did not wear out on you, nor did your foot swell these 40 years. They were trekking on. They were trekking. May you not be lost in life. <laughs> May you not wander. May you not journey through the wilderness of life. May you journey in the pleasure of the Lord. In a green land where the Lord leads you. In the name of Jesus. Verse number five says, You should know in your heart that as a man chastens his son, so the Lord your God chastens you. Interesting book, right? Because if care is not taken, you see, those ones who did not know history, huh? they could end up becoming more rebellious than their fathers. Hallelujah. In chapter number 8, 2, verse number 17, if you start reading from verse number 16, if fact, time is gone, and I want us to actually touch the book of Joshua too. Um, 
Let's read from verse number 14. When your heart is lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, who led you through that great and terrible wilderness in which were fierce serpents and scorpions and thirsty land, where there was no water, who brought water for you out of the, out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna, which your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and that he might test you to do you good in the end. Then you say in your heart, they did not say it out in their heart. Then you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand gained me this word. 18 says, and you shall remember the Lord your God. For it is he who gives you power to get wealth. That he may establish his covenant which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. Relevance of the book today. How God blesses man and you think that, oh, um, you earn six figures. You earn tail end of five figures. So you're earning that much simply because um, of your certificate, because of your experience, because of your exposure. Bible says in verse number 17, it says, then you say in your heart, you did not say it out, but in your heart you are pompous. You are the one God is talking about here. Truly, you did not, when you are driving that car, you, you did not say it out to say, uh, ah, I bought this car with my money. I bought this car with my money. This is my car. I'm not going to use it to carry anybody to church. And I, you did not say that out to anybody. But in your heart, in your heart, in your heart. I don't know why you guys are laughing. Let me preach or let me teach. But in your heart, in your heart, as you are cruising around town, you know, blasting all those songs that kill your spirit, you begin to then, okay, and why are you laughing? <laughs> Amen. Glory to Jesus. You then begin to say, oh, I saved up so much. Yeah. I bought this car. Yeah. My money got me this. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. See, may you know yeah, 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 yeah to the wilderness. Amen. Glory to Jesus. He says, then you say in your heart. Isn't that how some of us are? Yeah. <laughs> Celebrate Jesus. <laughs> Somebody needs to come and carry Shelly out of here. <laughs> Sometimes, you're actually not saying it out pompously. Your house, beautiful house. You're not saying, ah, I did it. But in your heart, you, there, is, there, is, there is an element of pride. My hand has fetched me this. I saved up so much. The work I do was the reason why I can afford this house. See, 18 says, 18 says, give me 18, please. Why are you guys laughing? <laughs> Amen, glory to Jesus. 18 says, and you shall remember the Lord your God. He says, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth. He says that he may establish his covenant, which is war. This is, you know, Paul says that, why should any man boast about anything? He says, what, has he, what is it that any man has received that did not come from the Lord? Pride. Pride. You see someone who was once homeless, now has a home, then it now becomes a challenge for the person to accommodate another homeless person. You were once hungry without food. 
and you can see others begging for food. Or maybe your church or a charity organization, for example, wants to do an outreach to feed the homeless. You cannot dip your hands into your pocket to bring out one dollar for the sake of the memory of where God is bringing you from. It says you say in your heart. They did not say it out. When you say it in your heart that way, condemnation before God. Hallelujah. I think for tonight, I'm just going to stop here. Amen. Amen. Like, y'all are tired. Okay, you want to go and take in these ones first. It was, it was Brother Damilare that actually pushed me to include the book of Joshua. I knew that, see, there is no point. Are y'all getting blessed? I mean, who, who, who is a believer? What? Celebrate Jesus. What, what, what a believer or a kingdom influencer without basic knowledge or understanding of the scripture. There is no point rushing. If it takes us three months, if it takes us four months. Some of you, this is going to be, Biblio is going to be one of your major achievements in the year 2021. Come on up. Glory to Jesus. All eyes closed and all eyes bowed. At Lofty Heights, we don't like bringing our services to a close without giving someone an opportunity to have a relationship with the Lord. You're here in the auditorium or you're watching online. All that we're saying, you know, they, we took Leviticus, we took Numbers, we took Deuteronomy. You know, this, you, you could see all the instructions, all the laws, all the things that God has, the expectations. And maybe there is a witness in your heart that you fall short of all those things. Meaning you've never accepted the Lordship of Jesus. Or you did at some point and you went back into the world. I'd like you to please without shame tonight. If you're in the auditorium, please lift up your hand above your head. I'd like to lead you to Christ. That you may accept the Lordship of Jesus. If you're watching online also, I'd like you to do the same thing. And say these words and mean it from the bottom of your belly. Dear Father, I thank you for your word that has gone forth for me today. Thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus. I accept him today as my Lord and my Savior. I repent of my sins. Please cleanse me. Wash me with the blood of the Lamb. Fill me with your love and fill me with your spirit. Make me yours, Lord Jesus, from this time on and even forevermore. Amen. We trust God that this ministration blessed your life tremendously. Do share your testimony and experience with us by emailing us at hello at myloftyheightsglobal.org. For more life-transforming messages from our ministry, please visit and subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can also stay connected with us across our social media platforms at My Lofty Heights. To give to our ministry, please visit our website. We love you, we honor you, and we celebrate you.